0: Coming to you from New York City, it's the Friars Club Podcast. Established in 1904, the Friars Club is the birthplace of the celebrity roast and has counted the likes of Frank Sinatra, Jimmy Fallon, Billy Crystal, Barbara Streisand, and Johnny Carson among its members. So come on in for a drink and some laughs. With your host, Joe Sevilla. Hello and welcome to the Friars Club Podcast. This is your host, Joe Sevilla. And joining me today is uh, somebody who I have had the opportunity to interview on numerous occasions and uh, have uh, had the chance to meet and is a wonderful guy. And not only is he a wonderful guy, he's also an amazing guy. He's a world-renowned mentalist, television host, and he's the author of 20 books. And he is known as the amazing Creskin. Creskin, thank you for joining me today. How are you? It's a pleasure to talk to you again. It's good.
1: You know, I want to... I want to assure the audience, I want to to make Joe feel comfortable. So, folks, I'm telling you this, since this is being done live on tape, I promise you I dare not try reading his thoughts publicly. Oh, please don't. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody would want to hear that. In this day and age, when you think of the comedic people that were part of the Friars Club and so forth, when you think of what's happened to comedy in this day and age, because who would have believed, as I, I do every week, Uh, something which has caused tremendous interest uh, internationally and I do what's on my mind and I comment on the changes that have gone on in in our lives and what have you. Who would have ever dreamt? I wouldn't even have been able to predict this and I've made dramatic predictions in my life that today most comedians will not work many of the uh, universities in the United States and the reason that they have put their foot down and said no way will I appear there is because the universities those of you in show business, if you don't know about this, you're not going to believe this. Universities now have a ruling. If you're a comedian appearing at university, you must supply your entire script and not vary it unless you call them and get permission. And as comedians say to me, if I, we're going to ever appear anywhere that doesn't add us, let us ad lib, then we're finished. Could you believe that that would happen? In this I, I couldn't.
0: And it's funny because the Friars Club just may be one of the last places where comedians have that freedom to push the boundaries and really the one place where a comedians could say whatever they feel like saying. I would say right. the Friars Club is just about the last place where that's possible. But I want to ask you, Kreskin, how did you first become associated with the Friars Club?
1: It was early in my career because I ended up doing a television series. and I've done many many television series 88 carson shows although i think recorded they have records of some 60 carson shows so i was i've been on the air all the time and uh, i knew this is a lot of people don't know about this i knew what i wanted to do for a living even though it's gotten out that the rumors that were early in my life that i was going to become a catholic priest now that would have that would have made a wreck of the church, believe me, Joe. That, that would never have happened. It was a comic, and we, he was mentioned in some of the uh, priors uh, events because I would bring up his name. He wrote a comic that was very very popular uh, when we were kids, and probably before your time. It was in the daily newspapers. It was a comic book. It was called Mandrake the Magician. Oh, sure. And Mandrake the Magician was written by Lee Falk. He really wasn't a magician. He had hypnotic abilities. He could dance for people by just paralyzing them and looking at them. He could read people's thoughts and what have you. And here I'm at an event where where I'm being interviewed and here celebrities are in the audience. It wasn't at the friars, it should have been at the friars because a lot of people there were members of the friars but I was being interviewed and they finally, uh, about my career and what have you. And Lee Falk, they asked him to come forward and he said something, Joe, was one of the most moving moments of my entire life. I couldn't talk. I couldn't speak because he simply said this. He said, I want you to know, I've been writing Mandrake and I don't submit it to movies. It's in, in the daily newspapers all over the Western world and what have you. And we have comic books. I've been writing Mandrake for decades. And the only person I've ever seen who comes closest to being Mandrake in real life is the amazing question. That that show was one of the most moving moments of my I couldn't tell. Oh, talk.
0: that's quite the compliment.
1: And and I did not influence him hypnotically to make him say that. Please <laughs> believe me when I say this, because someone of the Friars would kid me and say something as crazy as that. I did, so you know, I filmed at the Friars Club in 2005 a DVD which dealt with my career. And uh, as as the paragraph says that that, that, that's that has it on on the internet available and what have you you look it up it, it talks about a lot of the things that I have done that are become legendary and what have you but that was a perfect setting to do it because as the release says about it when you look it up it says from the legendary Friars Club in New York City the American and then I goes on with my what I have to offer.
0: So what made you decide to do the DVD at the Friars Club? You could have filmed it anywhere, presumably. Why would you decide on the Friars Club to film the DVD?
1: Because I felt I've sat in on a multitude of famous people's uh, lives that were being, you know, uh, honored and what have you. And uh, like Larry Storch and, uh, and Jerry Lewis and, and on and on it goes. And uh, I thought to myself, the way they handle things and the way they treat the setting and what have you, and, and and I and realized because I was offered not to not to speak or what have you at times but to be, simply be even present on the stage as these performers are honored oh and by the way I'm not tra- saying that the friars stole this line from me which you can c- clearly see that they were show business minds enough to have me up on the stage what they would do, when they'd be honoring a, you know, was Milton Berle or whoever the person was and, the, and the, no one ever got offended, they, they liked the idea. They would turn and say, you know, before we interviewed you, if they were saying Uncle Milty or, or uh, Hugh Hefner or what have you, we want you to know that we talked with Kreskin about you and the thoughts he picked up from you are so disgustingly disgraceful that we're gonna move on. That always got a big laugh for the <laughs> <laughs> Right. So they used me, for, they, for the one liner of the person that was hosting the the, the, the the salute. You know.
0: Well, you had attended many of the roasts over the years, and I saw that you were at the Hugh Hefner roast back in two thousand one, yeah. and this was historic. They had fun and- with that.
1: They had fun with that because they said, "Boy, when we we found out you, okay, your your magazine and coverage has has influenced a lot of people and." and scandalize them. But we found out everything about your life. Oh, my God. And, of course, the audience got laughed. <laughs> <in the queue. laughs>
0: but that was a historic roast because that took place within a couple of weeks after September 11th. What do you What do you remember about being there that night? And what do you remember about the temperament in the room, what the feeling was among uh, all the different entertainers that were, were present just, for that you event?
1: We just, just said it took place like a couple of weeks after September 11th and what have you. There was a... Uh, There's no question about it because the Friars, and and like all people, and certainly those in the comedic world, have a feeling of how audiences are thinking and what have you. And it was an interesting scenario. I'm not saying the, the program itself, I'm saying the setting before. It was a remarkably quiet evening. It wasn't that people were not talking. They were speaking quieter because this incident was literally hanging over us like we had been impacted by the experience, which, of course, we were, all of us were in some way because now we have to go, and and I, I'm not a comedian, although comedy becomes much of what I have to say in my performances, but I'm aware comedi- comedians have to think, how are they going to handle this when they approach my their audiences? How are they going to still hit about things because that's what they're there for, to do? So it was a, it, yes, it was a different night in my life. And the night was more graphically before the roast or whatever the salute was going to be, because that reflected what had just happened.
0: And then, of course, uh, you mentioned now comedians are going to approach it. Gilbert Gottfried, when he got up, he infamously told what may have been the first nine eleven joke publicly, and lost the audience, and completely won them back with his uh, masterful. Won of them back. Isn't that great? The aristocrats.
1: He, he managed. He managed to find a a humorous line that could break down the the tension and what have you. And that must've, that must've been a memorable moment. That was, that was brilliant on his part. I'll tell you.
0: You were at the roast of Jerry Lewis. This was in 2006.
1: (laughs) Jerry Lewis is a little bit different. He's a, he was, the image of him was, he was basically wild, but I, 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 I admired him. I liked him. I have to tell you, even off camera, he had a way of kidding about things, so he thought he he thought with humor, not like Joe, who off camera it seems like he's just been at an institution. I'm only kidding, Joe. <laughs> but no, but Jerry was was not that he was always on, no, but he had a way of looking at things in a kind of a crazy, humorous way, and I I I felt that that was the excitement, and enthusiasm, and energy that made Jerry Lewis. More than just a a great uh, kidding comedian, but more of an energy that you enjoyed watching, because he didn't he didn't really sit still. Even when he was sitting still, he was moving, and his mouth was moving, and what have you. So I I would describe one of the key phrases of describing Jerry Lewis is dynamic energy. It came through not just in the laughter he created, but in what he talked about. And he disagreed with things at times, not, not not in an angry way, but it showed the reflection that he was a, he was a, he was definitely a thinker. Now, if I were to describe a certain person I'm talking to, I would describe it in a very subdued, chaotic, trance-like. no, I'm only joking. To. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a story about Carson that I decided only to mention recently. I I had great respect for Johnny Carson. He, he uh, was who, who was good.
0: a friar, who was a member of the Friars Club, by the way. He was a, he was a member of the
1: Friars, no, I know that. Yeah. But uh and I appeared so many times on him. It's eighty-eight times, but sixty are recorded, what have you. And uh uh one day he saw me on another television show, and I've done I did dozens of them constantly. One he's the Merv Griffin or the Mike Douglas show, because Mike Douglas I was on for over hundred times. But it turns out Joe, when I walked out on stage, and I, I've never talked about this, folks, so this is, it's something of interest to you. I tripped. I had something in my hand. I tripped and I fell forward and landed forward. I didn't hit my head. I wasn't hurt, but I was just I was just lying there. Now, this happened on two different shows in my life. But I in this case, I decided not to get up. And whether it was Merv Griffin or Mike Douglas or what have you, I think, but it probably was Griffin. I didn't get up, and Griffin started kidding about it. And doing one lighters and what have you and what have you and what have you and then we went to a break and he came over to me and said kreskin thank you your ad lib move of not getting up made it one of the best moments i have had it because i was able to kid and use all kinds of one lighters because i got up i was fine and everything else he says, i can't thank you enough well johnny saw that show and a few months later if you'll remember he would sometimes come on the show Dressed in a dilapidated outfit or some outrageous looking, crazy looking piece that just didn't look like him. And we came to the table where he was going to sit with the guests, he'd bump against the table and lean over as if he had been drinking. So that was the illusion he created. He based that character on yours truly. That was Karnak. And Karnak was based on me because he saw that incident when i fell over and he didn't he didn't want to fall over but he wanted to give the feeling that i was that he was drinking and what have you so it shows you how my career has influenced so many people in the business from time to time, you know.
0: <laughs> you've certainly made an indelible mark on uh, on popular culture, that's for sure. And, um, and I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the other friars that you've worked with over the years. Johnny Carson, you did The Tonight Show uh, some I 88 times. I go on for hours
1: about him. I go one for hours. Merv remember Griffin, Mike Douglas. Regis Philbin uh, was like, we, we were almost like partners. We were legendary. He'd call me on the phone when i almost any Was he with the friars? Regis was, was a friar. most wonderful people in all of show business, a genuine man who had a great gift. Regis Philbin had, and that added to his skill as a successful communicator with, with television and radio shows on every day and, and sometimes on and major shows like Once a Week and what have you. Regis Philbin had one of the great gifts, which is being loosed in, in our country today. It's the gift of empathy. And empathy is, and you can ask any seasoned comedian, And they will understand and be able to explain it. Empathy is the ability to feel the way someone else feels. That is a tremendous gift. But it's not only people who have a love affair with someone, people who are psychologists, but it has to do with behaviors. And it certainly has to do with uh, 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 comedians because they have to go on stage, as you said, when a disaster has taken
0: place. He was nice enough to write the forward to your book, I know, in real time.
1: Oh, he has, he was, I cannot tell you how good he was to me. He, I I almost felt like he, he was, when, when he, when he took on any, any project with me, he, he got himself immediately involved in it because he knew how I thought. He knew the way I worked. He had had me on so many, many times. I was thinking, gee, Regis. If I kick the bucket or if someone knocks me off like with the name Joe, would uh, would you be able to take over? But he just, he just knew how I thought. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Definitely. And that's a rare...
1: Not a, By the way, I, I don't mean to just knock every... every because I'm not knocking everybody, but not every comedian has quite that gift that Regis had because Regis was able to go on the air if we just had heard a scandal or what have you and somehow talk to his audience in the frame of mind that you would if you were met someone and you just heard the news and things were very serious. He did not abuse his position on the air by just mocking things. That's not the way he knew. He had, and it's one of the greatest gifts, and you young people who, if you're going to college, look up what this is. It is the gift of empathy. You find anybody that has that gift, and you're looking, I don't care if in business. I've worked on uh, over 100 crime cases in my life, it has to do with feeling the way other persons feel. You don't have to read their thoughts, but to feel the way they feel is a tremendous gift.
0: Now, Regis, uh, of course, was on the Joey Bishop show, and oh. you had appeared with Joey Bishop many times. Oh, so well, what do you remember uh, about Joey Bishop, who was also a member of the Friars Club? Yeah, uh, uh,
1: Well, I remember about you. We didn't We didn't converse very much before the show because he had usually made up in his mind Something he was going to talk to me about, and he, he knew me well enough, and a lot lot of lot of shows as you could want to understand would say, "Well, Christian, we're going to discuss this. We're going to discuss this. Discuss this." But but Joey knew me well enough that even if I didn't know the subject, I'd be able to answer, or 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 furthermore, or just hit about and what have you. And we'd come back on the air, and we'd be sitting and talking and saying, you know, Christian, where have you been recently? And what did you do that was unusual and what have you? I always talked about, I, 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 unless you ask me later on, I will describe the check test, which is the most legendary thing I've ever done in my career. It's it's now, no one in the world is doing this and it's become legendary, but he'd ask, but he'd ask me, uh, he'd say, you know, and I uh, I just met someone and uh, they wanted to sell me this uh, the device that uh, you're gonna brush your teeth with and so forth. He, he'd he be talking in that droll voice and what have you. I'd say, well, you know, Joe, I don't know about you, because I wouldn't advise them to give you that that toothpaste. It it might awaken something in you that the public doesn't want to hear. But in my case, <laughs> he he'd be nodding his head because he wanted me to kid about the thing, you know. And so right. that's that's the way I respected him, and I didn't. And I, by the way, I wasn't scared in going on with him because he would never throw a, a curve at me. But to bring up something odd here and there, he just knew that in some way. I could improvise and discuss that further, and then go into something that we kind of discussed, maybe a, a movie or something that I was doing and what have you. Joy was he—he he was a quiet thinker, and that's the way he spoke in us. I said, "You think about—I don't mean he said he spoke quietly, but he didn't speak rapidly and so forth. And so forth. he had this way of talking that was very calm and very—it was—it was not authoritative in the sense that it dominated you." It was matter of fact like he just knew what was going on. You know what I mean?
0: Oh, Well, his philosophy was always that uh, the, the key is to be overheard, not to be heard, to be screaming at people. It was a very conversational approach that's that he took to very,
1: stand up. It stand-up. That's a very good remark you made because it was very conversational, but still it had know-how and authority behind it, but it was not dominatingly overkill.
0: Uh, Definitely. Now, was it through your appearances on the Bishop show, which led to you getting booked onto the Tonight Show with Carson for the first time? I think.
1: Yes, I think that was the case, because Carson saw me. on so many, many. And and I did not know this, but uh, Carson watched me whenever I was on uh, on on a show because he was interested in the kind of work that I did and so forth, but. I, I think it was not... But it wasn't just the, the Bishop show. I think the because the Mike Douglas show, they often had me on for an hour. Oh, sure. Both,
0: oh, you co-hosted the show.
1: Many times I was the co-host of the show. But I think one of the most flattering things that I could ever imagine was the uh, that he took something that was a, a stupid fall on my face and saw the potential of it and then created Karnak. And the only reference to me was before he ever spoke when he came on with whoever the guest was and gonna sit down and do some stupid routine with them. But the fact that he bumped against the table, dropped something on the table, and looked like he was damn drunk. That was me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I've never known you to be drunk, Kreskin. So <laughs> No, I don't I don't
1: I don't drink heavily. But I tell you, if I'm being interviewed, I don't want the public to misunderstand me that's looking in. If I'm interviewed by certain people, I think I'm going to have a heavy drink from then on.
0: <laughs> I don't blame you. Now, <laughs> especially when you're talking to me, you really need a tie. <laughs> you really got to tie if you want. So,
1: I, when, by the way, by the way, you are a pleasure to communicate with. You. Oh, it's you a pleasure
0: a, to talk you. to you.
1: You have a genuine naturalness about it, and uh, I, I I feel very very comfortable, really.
0: I appreciate that. One one of the things I wanted to know was when you would appear on Carson specifically Carson, but any of the shows. Roddy Dangerfield always said that it would take him three months to prepare a shot with Johnny Carson from start well, to finish before he would go on the show. How long would it take you to prepare what you were going to do uh, on in the your show segment with Johnny?
1: Maybe 10 minutes,
0: 15 minutes. <laughs> 10 minutes of preparation?
1: I just told his crew members, I'm going to talk about lie detection because I noticed that uh, that's going on right now. Or I'm going to talk about uh, airplane uh, airplane incidents because i have a tremendously dramatic story to tell because there had been some tragedies and people were not killed but there were near crashes i came on the air he said it was one of the most dramatic stories st- things i had ever said in my life i said johnny i can't explain this i have no explanation and i said uh i don't miss flights you know i'm traveling all-. he says i know i got the list of places you're going to be at and the next two weeks, I said, I'm fine all the time. A few uh, few months ago, I woke up and uh, I'd overslept. I don't oversleep. I don't miss flights. I jumped out of bed. I'm living at home now with my folks. And I said, I can't eat breakfast. I got to get in my car. I didn't have a road manager. Then I'm going to drive to the airport because I got to get this flight. I got in the car. I drove to the airport, hurried. Oh, I'm driving to the airport. I decided to do t- detour and r- drive around Newark and come to Newark Airport where I, the flight was coming out of and and God and God forbid I did the wrong thing I got delayed even more I got there I went up to the counter they saw me they said and I pressed, here's your ticket I said here's my luggage two pieces of luggage my attache which I carry all my material I knew on on the stage and I'm race I now run down the hallway I don't go through security because in those days you didn't have to if you they were familiar with you I'd run into the hallway towards the flight as I saw the flight take off. I missed my flight. My luggage was on the flight, except for my, my attache case. I uh, I come back and I'm very upset. They say, Creskin, I know this never happened with you. We can get you to your location in New York State. Uh, we got to connect with another flight. I said, just please get me there. So I waited, got on a plane, flew to some place in New York, connected and went to my location. Now I'm in the theater. The day before, it's a nightclub. It's sold out, no, not at the night of the show. It's sold out, and I don't have my dress clothes, but that's okay. And I said, uh, You're going to introduce me. And the guy goes to the door to about open it. And suddenly the stage door opens, and in runs two police. And we think, What God's name happened? And uh, they said, You know, Kriskin, we found out where you were because on your luggage, we called your office and they told you where you were appearing. We drove an hour here here's your luggage. I said, oh, my God, how could you find this? And uh, I can change my clothes, hold the show up. And they say, well, it's probably a good thing that you missed your flight because we found this in a cow pasture in New York State. The plane crashed. Wow. How I ever overslept and detoured and missed the flight? I cannot explain this. And this is a true story. It was one of the when I went on the stage to tell what happened, you could hear a pin drop in the place. So my life's been an adventure. When I come on and would tell Carson these stories, he found them absolutely fascinating. That,
0: that's jaw-dropping, to say the least.
1: Reading his thoughts, I have to edit. If I have to read Joe's <laughs> thoughts, oh my God.
0: I could go on with you all day long, Kreskin. I mean, uh, I your appearances with Jimmy Fallon. You know, and you know what? I again, I have to
1: say this. What I enjoyed being on the, with the Friars Club is that when they were doing a satire of somebody and so forth you know right they have me sit they want me sitting on the stage and i would be sitting and then the excuse came you know kreskin read his thoughts before the show we're not supposed to tell you about the disgraceful life that he led away but they <laughs> they had they one, one-liners and they, it was a perfect excuse for me. i i love being there I, I i was used as a device for some of the. Co- comedic remarks of the Friars.
0: <laughs> it only shows that you've made such a tremendous mark in the world of show business with the, with all that you've done. But l- let me ask you, since you are the mentalist, what do you predict for the future of the Friars Club, if you had to make a prediction? Well, I
1: th- I believe, I think what has to happen with the Friars is that, not that it needs new blood, but some blood come, is going to come into it that has a spark of... Uh, of uh, uh, craziness and what have you, and the Friars has to add and contribute to what we really need now is an energy, not in just the programming or the toasts and what have you, but an energy that almost goes over the top, because we need that, and we 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 have to borrow it and steal it from those who have comedic minds. I think that is the gift that the Friars can do. And I believe that they have the capability of doing it. They've got to
0: do it. Well, that's very well said, Kreskin. And uh, all I can say is it's a pleasure to have talked to you again. It's always an honor whenever I have the chance to chat with you. I so. wanna, I
1: wanna I'm gonna say this to you. I say this in all my closes on the stage and in interviews, what have you. I'm not gonna say goodbye because that's too final. Let's just say in the spirit of comedy and the spirit of the Friars to be continued and we'll talk again. Be the good Lord willing.
0: You're doing a monthly Zoom training course. It's called Reawakening Your Unconscious oh. Mind. Oh, yeah. This
1: is this is getting wonderful response. And, and uh, without going into detail, the problem, uh, Joe, is, and you know this, that we're not listening to each other as we once did. We're not hearing. And you have no idea, and I can't tell you this. I can't mention celebrities. The people I'm doing a half hour training live program and uh, we' lim- we were limiting it to about 25 people because I don't I, they don't talk to me I t- talked to them as a group showing them at, at certain exercises they should do every day after this ends including the day we're doing it it's going to help them so that when they listen to people and walk away from them, Later on, they can sit by themselves, whether it's 10 minutes later, an hour later, 20 hours later. And by the exercise I give them, more will come to me of what was said to them that they hadn't noticed. And this is a gift that's become lost in the business world today. It, you, you, you have no idea of famous people that I've now trained in this. The tickets will be today. available
0: at amazingkreskin.com. Well, no, the,
1: the feedback was unbelievable that I got. Take care, Joe, and keep in touch.
0: Thank you for being so generous. It's, it's always good a good pleasure. Good to work with I'll tell you I, I mean that. Well, thank you. That, that means a lot. Thank you, Kid. Thanks for listening to the Friars Club podcast. Please be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. For more information on the Friars Club, please visit FriarsClub.com. We hope to see you there.